0: if you're ready for a fresh new perspective on weight loss, you're in the right place. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7. So today we are going to be talking about solving for overhunger. But before we start, as usual, I will just let you know a little bit about my week. So it has been such a lovely week this week. Because I have been focusing on trying not to overwork. So overworking comes very naturally to me. And it's very difficult for me to uphold my boundaries and make decisions with regards to my work. I'm the type of person who will work all the time, night and day, keep going, and be okay about that I think that comes from my doctor days and as a doctor we often would just keep going on our ward rounds and we wouldn't often have time for lunch we wouldn't have time to get some water or go to the loo or do any kind of self-care so this just became the norm for me and so I am kind of one of those people who can just keep working and working and working and actually it's very hard for me to make time for myself and have a break and things like that so I've been really trying to give myself time to do that because I've realized that actually when I give myself time to do that I am so much more effective in everything that I'm doing. So for example, before recording this podcast, I made sure I had a nice lovely lunch and I listened to a really nice podcast and I feel really refreshed and ready to bring this podcast to you today. So yesterday I did a really fun thing. I went to watch my son Vivan perform in his first talent show so it was a show at his school and he did so well he did a solo performance to the song o oh, o oh, Jana," which is from pyar kiya for any of you bollywood fans out there it's an old song, but his dad taught him the dance. and being five, he did a solo performance and I was absolutely loving it. So for uh, more of you Bollywood fans out there, I'm an absolute Bollywood fan. So I felt like Kajal in um, K3G in Kabikushi Kabikam, when she is kind of cheering on her son and saying "Exitito si Marungi which means I will whistle at least once. And I'm the kind of mum who kind of embarrasses him because I'm just so proud of him and I show him. So it felt like when he was performing for the first time on stage as a solo performer, I was super proud and I was cheering him on and whooping and kind of trying to whistle. I don't think I can whistle, but I was trying my best to do that. So that, that was really, really fun yesterday. So that's what we did, which was really, really nice. So... Um, That's a little bit about me and my week. It's been so much fun kind of getting to know myself, spending time with my babies, and it's just allowing me to appreciate the beauty of life. So hopefully I can inspire you to do some of the same. And today we're going to be talking about overhunger. So do you feel like kind of you're hungry all the time? Most people kind of hate new diets because they feel hungry all the time. And I used to really fear hunger before because all the diets that I used to be on, they used to make me feel hungry and miserable all the time. So kind of one of the main things to solve when we're kind of trying to lose weight is to solve for the overhunger because most of the reasons why we are gaining weight, well, one of the reasons why we're gaining weight is overhunger. So to understand this a little bit more, we need to understand the hunger hormones. So there are quite a few hunger hormones, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and keep this as brief as possible as it can get quite complicated. So you can read up on this if you're interested, but I'm gonna really try and keep it on purpose. I'm gonna try and keep it really basic today. So the main hormone in weight loss that we would like to talk about or that's the most important in weight loss is insulin so insulin is released from the pancreas which is an organ in our abdomen when we eat food so it's released from the pancreas to transport glucose or sugar from the food into our cells because that's where it gets turned into energy So most people know about insulin with regards to diabetes. So there's quite a few forms of diabetes, but the most common form is type 2 diabetes. And this is when the insulin that the patient makes either doesn't work effectively or they can't produce enough of it. And so what happens is the insulin can't actually transport the sugar into the cells. So the level of the sugar in the blood goes up so in general the more food we eat the more insulin is released because every time we eat insulin is released to try and transport the sugar into the cells and so when insulin is in our body it's a storage hormone so when we've got insulin in our blood we can't be in fat burning mode we can't burn the fat on our body as fuel because the insulin levels are high. And because insulin is a fat storage hormone, whenever insulin levels are high, we can't burn any fat on our bodies. So the way to lose weight is to lower our insulin levels so that our body can go into fat burning mode. Using the fat on our body as fuel. So when we look at the foods that cause the highest insulin spikes in our body these are the processed carbohydrates. So when I'm talking about the processed carbohydrates, I'm talking about flour and sugar. So flour and sugar are concentrated and very refined forms of these carbohydrates. So if you think about it, for example, with a sugar cane, it starts off with a sugar cane and then it gets concentrated and concentrated and concentrated or more and more refined to become this crystallized Substance sugar. So when you're eating sugarcane, the insulin response you get from eating that would be completely different and much lower than the insulin response you get from actually consuming the sugar because it's more and more concentrated. All the fiber has been taken out, all the other nutrients have been taken out and it's just become much more concentrated. So when we're actually consuming these things what tends to happen is we get a huge insulin spike when we are eating them and our modern diets are kind of full of these processed carbohydrates and since they've become a staple in our diets there's been a large rise in obesity especially in the south asian population so it isn't directly related to kind of just this one thing as you know obesity is multifactorial but one of the reasons has been an increase in the consumption of processed carbohydrates because they're easy to eat and because they're like so concentrated when we eat them we get a huge rise in the feel-good hormone in our brains dopamine. So our brains basically think that this, it's so important because they get such a large rise in dopamine when we eat them. So our brains say to us that we need more of this because it thinks that it's actually necessary for our survival. So it's it kind of gives us more urges to eat more and more of it, which is why you may have noticed that when you have eaten some sugar, a lot of my clients feel like they are out of control when they eat sugar because they feel like they once they've eaten sugar they just need to have more and more and more of it and that's because of this phenomenon of getting such a huge dopamine hit when we eat this food that our brain then gives us urges to eat more and more of it so in terms of the foods that kind of affect our insulin response i'm just going to say in very broadly speaking terms the foods that cause the lowest insulin spikes which is which may be completely opposite to what you may have heard are healthy fats so these may be things like avocados nuts egg yolks extra virgin olive oil full fat cream things like that whenever we're eating healthy fats what happens is we get the lowest insulin spike compared to other foods. They also will really help with fullness. So when you're eating healthy fats, they tend to make you fuller. So then you don't experience as much hunger. So healthy fats are a really fun and healthy addition to your diet obviously in moderation not way too much of it but when you're adding some healthy fat to your meal it's going to be adding to your satiety so it's going to actually make you fuller for longer and it's going to lower your insulin response which is a really beneficial aspect to that so the things that then cause the insulin spikes after kind of the healthy fats you get some of the protein sources so these may be the kind of normal protein sources that you have and then something that's going to cause a slightly higher insulin spike would be things like other carbohydrates like potatoes and rice and things like that and then the things that cause the highest insulin spikes would would be the things with flour and sugar so a lot of people ask me about fruits and vegetables so fruits and vegetables and beans and things often have a a lot of carbohydrate when you're looking just at the kind of the carbohydrate level in them and so a lot of people say oh well is this a keto diet well no this is not a keto diet at all this is just looking at what are the things that cause the highest insulin spike and the highest uh, uh, that are the most processed that aren't going to be fueling our body and with fruits and vegetables one of the important things is that they have a lot of fiber in them and so when you are eating foods with fiber these also lower the insulin spike that you get so when you're just looking at the amount of carbohydrate in certain things this does not correlate directly to the insulin spike that you're going to get which is why certain other kind of like just counting macros and things doesn't always work it's actually what insulin response are you going to get by eating this food So when you're eating a lot of kind of vegetables and beans, they may have kind of slightly higher carbohydrate content when just looking in the books or, uh, you know, putting it in your macros apps and things. But what it's not taking into account is the amount of fiber, which actually lowers the insulin response, which is really beneficial. So when you have fat with the vegetables, that also lowers the insulin response and keeps you fuller for longer and helps with uh, what I was saying with the satiety and keeps you fuller, So the best way to lose weight is to become fat adapted, which means what you're doing is you're using the fat on your body as fuel. And you can only do that when your insulin levels are low, which means you're able to access your fat stores when your insulin levels are low. Because remember, insulin is a fat storage hormone. So whenever insulin levels are high, then we're going to be actually storing the excess glucose in our blood as fat. So whenever insulin levels are high, we cannot access our fat stores as fuel. So there's a few things that will lower your insulin levels. So one of the things would be to eat a diet with no sugar and no flour. And a lot of my clients, when we talk about this, they get very worried about this because they're like, oh no, I will not be able to kind of sustain this, things like that. Now. The reason why we say to have a diet with no sugar, no flour is because these are the foods that will actually raise your insulin levels the most and they don't have much other nutrition in them. They're just kind of pure sugar when they go into the blood. And so when we can train our bodies to become fat adapted, which means accessing the fat stores on our bodies as fuel and not relying on the food that we are eating as the only form of fuel then we can start losing weight and the no sugar no flour is doesn't mean that it's forever but it's for a bit about a period of about two months where you can actually encourage your body to become fat adapted and then after that you can introduce them back in small amounts now it may be that you're not going to want to eat too much of them because actually what I realized for myself is when I stopped eating flour and sugar when I then started eating them I would kind of feel more hungry I'd feel more sluggish I'd um, not sleep as well I'd get kind of tummy cramps and things like that and so I was like getting all of these symptoms before but because I didn't know any different I wasn't even aware of them. So when I was able to go off flour and sugar I was able to see what effect they had on me and actually I much preferred not eating them on a regular basis. Now that said I do eat them now and again but when I do eat them I accept the consequences that I'm going to get when I eat them. So another thing you can do to lower your insulin levels is uh, no snacking. So if you think about it every time you eat you are raising your insulin levels. So the more you snack the more insulin is released. And because our aim is to keep our insulin levels down, then if you decide to just have your meals with no snacks in between, then you are minimizing the insulin spikes that you are getting throughout the day. Now, this may be a complete, you know, like mind boggle for a lot of you, because we used to get told that you need to eat often and small meals. But often that doesn't work because you're constantly raising your insulin levels. And actually, the more you eat, the more hungry you feel. So notice that next time. When you are eating more often, you're likely to feel more hungry because of this. And another thing that you can do, which is quite widely known now, is intermittent fasting so, or IF. So there are lots of different versions of intermittent fasting. And I kind of learnt about this after reading The Obesity Code and The Diabetes Code by Dr. Jason Fung who's a nephrologist in Canada and he's a leading expert in treating obesity and type 2 diabetes. And so there's lots of different forms of intermittent fasting but the whole aim is to prolong the fast of when you're sleeping. So we naturally fast for about at least 12 hours or depending on how long we we sleep for and when we actually break our fast and when we actually you know break our fast and eat breakfast which that's where that's where it comes from breaking the fast breakfast um it depends on kind of how long you sleep for and things but the whole point of intermittent fasting is to actually prolong that fast so the most common form of intermittent fasting is something called 16 8 where you fast for a period of 16 hours And you eat over something called an eight-hour period, or often called an eight-hour window. And ideally, it would be you eating two meals in that time with no snacks in between. Because remember, the more snacks you eat, the more insulin is raised. And if you kind of slightly change your fasting window... So basically you're eating when you're hungry and, and kind of, and like stopping when you're full and you're eating these two meals in this eight hour window and you're eating no sugar, no flour as well. That will help you get fat adapted much quicker. And then it's really very easy to fast as well. So when you first start, it's going to be tough and you know, your body's going to be adjusting to it. And I remember when I started, I was like hangry. I was a bit tired. I got headaches. I'd get really hungry initially. But kind of after a few days to about kind of three to four weeks, I became fat adapted and it was much easier to continue. And this is the same with all of my clients. So I do warn them that you may actually be, you know, a bit hangry, a bit tired, headaches, you know, you may get a change in your menstrual cycle. You may, you know, be very hungry initially and so many other symptoms, but these are transient. And the question that I want you to ask is are you willing to go through the initial discomfort for your long-term comfort and this is a question I had to ask myself and I knew that actually if I knew it was going to get better it's going to benefit me in the long run then actually yes I did want to do this and I did want to do that and actually willing to to do that was actually part of my transformation because when I was willing to go through that initial discomfort for the long-term comfort of of long-lasting weight loss then That kind of proved to me that that would happen, which was really fun. Not kind of all fun; it was hard at the time and everything. But I was willing to go through that to actually get the benefits. And so there are lots of other benefits of fasting as well. There's something called autophagy or autophagy. Yeah, lots of people just you know um, say it in different ways. But what this means is it's the clearing up of dead cells in our body. And there's been a lot of evidence to show that autophagy increases when you do intermittent fasting. There's also a decreased risk of certain diseases, namely diabetes, and there's been some possible reduction in cancer rates and Alzheimer's. There's been a lot of people who have a lot more energy when they are fasting. So... As the fat breakdown products are called ketones, these are some of the best fuels for the brain. So when you are actually doing intermittent fasting or when you are fat adapted, you are breaking down your body's fats as fuel. And this is one of the best fuels for your brain, which then increases your energy levels and gives you really good concentration and things like that. Um, there's also been kind of a possibility of longer life and reduction in inflammation so it can be good for people with inflammatory conditions but intermittent fasting is not recommended for people with eating disorders or a history of eating disorders who are underweight who are pregnant or breastfeeding so if this this is you then um, intermittent fasting is not recommended for um, these people So there are other hunger hormones, which I'll very briefly um, talk about, which are ghrelin and leptin, which also interact. So leptin um, is a hormone that tells us when we're full and it's released from our fat cells. So you'd expect that if we have a lot of fat on our bodies, that the leptin from the fat cells would tell us when we're full earlier. But when insulin levels are high, It can cause leptin resistance, which means it doesn't tell us when we're full, so we end up overeating. Another important hormone is ghrelin, and this usually tells us when we're hungry and when we're full. But if we're eating a lot of flour and sugar, the flour and sugar interferes with ghrelin secretion, and so the ghrelin doesn't work properly either. So this is why it is so important to kind of get the hunger hormones balanced. And what you'll end up noticing is that when you become fat adapted and the hunger hormones normalize, you're going to get something called appetite correction, which means your hunger hormones will normalize and start doing their job. And so you'll feel full when you're meant to feel full. So, this is such a kind of a fun concept for a lot of people because they end up eating a lot less than they would have previously and it's not like they're depriving themselves or anything at all it's just because they are paying attention to their hunger signals So some of my clients get full with half the food that they were previously eating because they had been drastically overeating before when their hunger hormones weren't balanced. So one of my clients, um, her children were shocked at how much less she was eating and um, they would put kind of more on her plate because they thought that she was depriving herself of food um, and that she was just trying to lose weight. And so she wasn't eating it on purpose, but really wanted it. But she was actually physically full and her hunger hormones were balanced and she couldn't actually eat anymore and when she forced herself to eat more because you know um, it was on her plate and she you know didn't want to upset her children she would actually be unable to eat anymore and had to you know rush to the toilet and feel very uncomfortable and things like that so this is when her children realized that actually she literally couldn't eat anymore and so then they stopped kind of putting it onto her plate which was an interesting kind of experience for her so when you do this when you kind of when you when you kind of balance your hunger hormones you're going to be less hungry and you're going to be fuller quicker you're going to have more energy and you're not going to be like desperate for food when the hunger comes you're going to feel much more in control and have so much more freedom so what i urge you to do is to try it out and let me know how you get on It's something that does take a little bit of time for your body to get used to. So expect there to be some discomfort, but know that actually it does get better when you persevere with it. And remember, you don't have to do it all. Try it out. If it's not for you, you don't have to continue. Some of my clients love intermittent fasting. Some people decide that they don't want to do it. So some of my clients love no sugar, no flour. Some decide that they don't want to do it. But with the coaching, you, we, we work on your thoughts and your feelings that are holding you back as well. So it's not just the food that you're eating. But when you follow these kind of guidelines, it just makes it easier for you. So if you'd like to kind of have any further help with this I do have a few one-to-one coaching spots available at the moment which are getting filled up very quickly and so if you would like to work with me on this And really dive deeper into this then contact me you can email me at amruti at amruticoaching.com or you can visit my website www.amruticoaching.com to find out more ways of working with me I also have a group starting in September and I will give you more information on that over the next few months so I hope you have a lovely day ladies I'll see you next week take care bye For more free resources and for information on how to work with me, visit www.amruticoaching.com.